Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. And then uh, just again, thank you to your, for you for all your generosity. Thank you for giving to this ministry, to this church. And uh, your, uh, your money really goes a long way because uh, everything we give, we, uh, we put into the kingdom. And uh, the six people who got saved in Albania is uh, also thankful because you gave, uh, because you sent, because um, we, we have here a place where we can be equipped. And uh, it's really been awesome as the team arrived. It was really an interesting mission that it's still ongoing, even though I'm back. Um, it's like waves of, of missionaries coming in. Uh, so firstly, Shane went and he met with the local team there, who's also now uh, four of them who can speak Afrikaans because they're all South African. Uh, Karan and Johan from Piketberg uh, have recently joined uh, Karl and Alicia. So we also got to connect with them. Uh, then the, the campus pastors came and, um, and then the team came and arrived and, and some of them are still there. And then tomorrow night is really another big event uh, in that we have the big theater, the opera house on the Bashkia. The Bashkia is the town plane. And um, people don't come for the opera. They come because you've got the venue. Um, because it, it's really an honor to be invited to, to the opera house. Um, but we're going to uh, present to them Handel's Messiah. So they don't know what's coming, but uh, we know. And uh, it's going to be awesome. The movie we invited them to, we had two nights of uh, showing a movie. And um, it was basically a, a modern rendition of The Prodigal Son. And we followed that up with some testimonies and an altar call. And uh, last night when I prepped my message, I put in two salvations and I just knew that's not it. And last night at five minutes to ten, uh, the WhatsApp came through and I went to my notes and I updated it to six. And I was just so thankful uh, to God for what he's done. So it sounds like a little, we get six on a Sunday night sometimes. It's three weeks of hard work. The ground is really tough. Uh, the conditions there are not easy. Um, just with the, 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 the mindset, really, the worldview, coming out of communism, being atheistic, having this nominal, not just Muslim, but even if you tell, if, if the ones you use the word Jesus, then they cut off. Because they either think it's Isa the prophet uh, from the Quran, or they think you are Eastern Orthodox or Catholic, and they don't want anything to do with that. So we told the one lady, you don't need to kiss feet, you don't need to light candles, you don't need to do any of that. And she said, Really? And one of the teams said, well, where is it in your Bible? And she looked at him and she said, oh, you make a good point. <laughs> They've just been so indoctrinated by religion. And we really need to, to scrub that out of what, um, what God wants to do there. So, yeah, that's really just the feedback. Thank you again for your generosity. Uh, heaven is richer for it because we go and we make a difference in this world. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for... Those six salvations, Father, that uh, that's, there's more brothers and sisters who's joined us in the family. Father, I pray for the team that's still working there on the floor and on the ground and uh, in the events, the service this morning. Father, we just pray your, your blessing and your spirit over that. Father, thank you that we know that you are there. We know that you are good and that you are for us, not against us. Yeah, we pray for the hearts of the people of Albania, but not just of Albania, in Albania. Uh, all the internationals that we've been connected to there. And yeah, thank you for the great, great work that you are doing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, there's those two events or that event still that's happening this week. And um, yeah, I've said I'll give you some feedback and 
I'll give you some feedback. There's so much to say. And um, usually people come and like, oh, it must have been so amazing. And yes, it was, but it also wasn't um, because it's really tough. It's really heartbreaking. And it's not that we can't do tough. Is your heart yearns for the people because what you carry is what they need, but they don't want it or they don't know that they want it yet. And it's really, really tough um, all over, actually, um, Europe, but more so, I believe, to the east um, because just the language barrier is so intense there. They can't speak your language. And it's, the, it's, a, it's a feeling that I can't explain. You've got the good news. You're carrying the spirit, but you just can't. You just can't give it. <laughs> it's really, it's like, I, I use words like heartache, um, heartbreak, gut-wrenching, etc. But yeah, um, there's much I can say, but I'm drinking my chamomile tea to keep me calm. And I, uh, I came back early. I arrived earlier in the week just to settle in so I don't come in like a thunderstorm and chase you all away. But yeah, one of the things that's really been a highlight to me is just how God has connected different people from different nations in an obscure country like Albania. And uh, that's not why we went, but it's really why we went in God's heart. Uh, we didn't know that, but there's so many people there searching, so many people looking. And interestingly, Albania became quite a popular country in, uh, in COVID um, because of the lack of regulation, the lack of rules. So people who didn't want to get vaccinated were looking for a country to move to. Some people were going to Israel, and then Israel said everyone must get vaccinated. So these people went uh, and they searched in Google, where can I go that I don't have to get vaccinated? And guess what? A for Albania came up pretty high on the radar. Uh, so there's a lot of new families, internationals, has moved in. Um, and we're also ministering to them. And it's really, really awesome. One of the highlights was really um, the Christmas miracle. I think there's a slide for that. And um, this is, uh, I mean, I can't explain it, but it is a, a, a Christmas show. I think they go to 32 countries around Europe, 44 different towns. It's basically a show every night. It is um, presented predominantly by Ukrainian children who are refugees from the war. Okay? It's sponsored by a Korean church. You'll see on the top corner there, there's uh, two Korean people there. The center one's the short one. Um, and um, the Albanian's also quite short, so it's interesting. We stand out quite a bit there. So it's uh, um, a pastor and uh, the, the man with the red tie and the white shirt. He is a missionary. He can almost not speak English. But his heart is so yearning for Albania that he's just there. Him and his wife just went. Uh, so they're now there. So they are the ones who host this, this European tour. So they basically sponsor it. And in the middle here, we had an opportunity. You see, can Jesus is on the wall there as well, because it was an Orthodox church. Um, um, wait, they just rented the venue. They did, they're not of that church. So when we took the photo, the one on the top, he really didn't want Jesus in the background. He wanted us to be on the clean wall because uh, they're not orthodox, if you know what I mean. Um, because Jesus was holding a book, and it's obviously not the Bible, because the Bible wasn't yet finished when Jesus walked the earth. Just a joke. But um, what was really awesome is to sit in that, and the lady there next to him in the second photo is the translator. She's a pastor from Ukraine. Now, this guy speaks in Korean. I think that's what they call it. Then he translates, she tra translates in English, then Shane and I spoke back to her in English, and then she translates to him again in Korean. But the miracle is that it's a Korean-sponsored outreach presented by Ukrainian children supported by South Africans in Albania. 
And if you say it like that, then you know, like you just sit there like, God, what are you doing? <laughs> why, are, why are you doing this? And um, you can see all of us were just uh, really drawn into the story. And the story was really how they, um, how they, they, they trusted God for, for money to take these 40 children from the Ukraine to a dance competition in Korea. So what happened is, um, I don't know this, with Kunrad, he will enjoy this, but the, U- uh, the Ukrainians had, had, past tense, the biggest um, public passenger carrier airplane in the world. Like, it's a massive thing. It's called the Maria, uh, which means dream. So it's really a dream liner. And guess what? Day four of the war, the Russians found a target and they bombed this thing. So you can go Google it. They, 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 they crushed the dream of Ukraine. And then as the refugees went out into Europe, these guys started to gather them, I think, in Germany. And they were all just downtrodden, hopeless. I mean, you're going into matric, you're 16, you have the dreams, and now all of a sudden you're displaced, you don't have your family, you don't have your plans, you can't go to university, everything is gone. And what they really started ministering is hope. And they said, well, they can maybe bomb your dream, the airplane, they can destroy your dream liner, but they cannot destroy the dreams in your heart. And um, they basically just ministered to these children. All of them are saved. And then they trusted to take them to this dance competition in South Korea. That's a long story. And that's what he was sharing, how God just came through. And they went and they won the thing. So they, they won this comp- international dance competition. And then that was great preparation because they said, hey, guess what? We've got a Christmas tour and we're going to 42 towns in 32 countries around Europe. Why don't you come with so now they're presenting it. That's why it's with, with Ukraine. So that was really awesome just to see God working on a global scale. And I think what really changed in my heart is that we don't need to name um, countries. We're just going to go into regions. We can go, Jesus said, go into all the world. So yes, you need to name a country if you need a visa. But already um, Shane has visited Kosovo. He's visited North Macedonia. Um, the day we left, he left for Moldova, I think, or Montenegro. Um, he's going back via Germany. Um, we landed in Italy. We spent a night in Switzerland, which wasn't planned because of bad weather. So it's really just God's just doing things all over. Last week, Sunday, in the service, for the first part, we didn't translate. We didn't translate into Albanian. We just spoke English. Because there were people there from Australia. This family's lived in six different countries. They're looking for something, you know? They're, they're searching. They lived in the Philippines and Vietnam. They lived in, I don't know, wherever, but they're from Australia. If you're from Australia, you, you don't go to Albania for the luxury, I promise you. But they've extended their stay recently because they found church. They found family. There was Americans there. There was a lot of Dutch people. I specifically ministered to a lot of Dutch people. Um, let me think. There was a lady from Italy. That's obviously the South Africans coming in. It was just this international body of believers. And if you go through the book of Acts, what I really found is whenever Paul went about and he found, it says, when he found disciples... He stayed there. And that's really what we were doing. We were finding disciples. And even on the streets, there's a lot of Christians who is now connected, who hopefully will come to church in Albania today, who don't know of Grace Life, who don't know of the family, who don't know that there are believers who believe like them. They don't know about um, what God is doing in the area, and they feel very isolated. Specifically, this one lady, she's a missionary uh, to Albania from the Netherlands. I think she's been there for 12 years. I don't think she's seen much fruit. And we're having this leadership conference and God gives me a word. And I said, sorry, ma'am, I have a word for you, but it's public setting. So I just, I don't know all the, what's right and what's wrong. You know, you need to know your pleasantries. Um, and I said, can I share it with you? And she said, yes. And I mean, two sentences in, she was crying. 
then you know God is doing something. I mean, I don't measure my success of ministry on, on tears, but there was a lot of them. Because God really just touched people. They, they've drawn them in. I saw this lady three days later, and she said, Peter, I have never been happier. I've never been happier. Before that day when I ministered to her, she said, I've prayed and fasted for two or three days, and I haven't felt a thing. I haven't seen anything. I said, well, um, ta-da. <laughs> God has sent me around the world to come and minister to you. On the way there, I sat next to a Swiss gentleman who's previously married a South African lady um, in the apartheid years. And this lady is, uh, is not of the same race as he is, so that was interesting and troublesome. He just visited his son in Port Elizabeth, who is a Muslim imam in Port Elizabeth. So I said to him, sir, so what do you believe? What are you? He says, no, he's, he's Muslim because they're so open-minded. I said, now what were you? He said, no, he was Catholic, but he doesn't want to talk about religion. I was like, come on, you open the topic. <laughs> What's up with you? So we connected a bit, and the next morning I was reading a book, which really is just a testimony of the gospel and how it's impacted someone. And uh, I just prayed, and I said, Lord, I'm going to give him this book, and I just pray that he takes it. And he was overwhelmed. And he said to me, obviously, that the, the, the Muslims are so um, open-minded. So I used it against him. And I said, sir, this is the most open-minded book I've ever read in my life. And I want to give it to you. And it truly is. There's no religion in there. It is just gospel truth. And it will definitely change his life if he reads it. And I pray that he does. So that's the type of thing that we were going on. And, 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 and guess what? You don't need to go to Albania to minister like that. You just you need to be sensitive to the Spirit wherever we go. And it's really an adventure. So, yes, it was amazing. Yes, it is life-changing. Yes, it is also heartbreaking. Because you see this need. You see, like one morning we sat on the, the steps of the Bashkia. And, um, and Shane said, who of you saw a church today? And we would, I mean, I, one day I clocked 25,000 steps. I averaged around 20,000. Momentum gives you an active day at 10,000. So just to tell you how much we walked around, and there wasn't one of us who said we, we saw a church. There just isn't, it, it doesn't exist there. Okay, so that's really the need. If I think about the trip, if I think about it was miraculous and supernatural, of course it was. If I think about the size of the team, it's a miracle. We had 26 people on a WhatsApp group ministering in Dures. So one of the first days there, uh, we were invited to this event, and the dress code was formal. Now, we didn't pack formal, <laughs> because we packed hiking boots and jeans, and we're going to go with rain jackets and stuff. Um, <clears throat> so Shane and I went out, and um, he was on stage just after the Ukrainian ambassador. So that's the type of favor and, and influence that God had for us. Like, we didn't plan it. Uh, interestingly, the connection is the, the TV station that Shane is on in Kenya is sponsored and hosted and belongs to the same church of Korea that is ministering in Albania. It's next level stuff, guys. So when they heard Shane is in Albania, they were like, you need to be on stage. So he was on stage just after the Ukrainian ambassador. And he shared the gospel more than the show did. Because that's one thing we realized. The Christians there are a bit nominal. They do good things, but they don't do always eternal things. And I think God sent me there to shake them up because all those missionaries, I challenged them, I challenged them hard. I said, what are you busy with? Because unless it's eternal, it's not going to fulfill you. It's not going to sustain you. And it's actually just a waste of time. So uh, I hope they heard. But uh, if I look at the size of the team, it's a miracle. 
If I look at the finances that came in, even this week still, because there was a lot of unforeseen costs that we didn't know, um, but there was a lot of, of miracles around that. The fact that we had six salvations over three weeks in that country, that's a massive miracle. There are, there are people there working for 12 years who hasn't seen anything, just to put it in context. We've seen six in three weeks, and there's more to come. But if I think about what makes me the most in awe of, of what God has done is the timing. And we didn't know, like, November is not a good month to go away. Like, you know, at work it's busy. You know, uh, in church it's busy. It's urine functions. It's family stuff. It's like we graduate, we only do ministry school graduation next year now. Um, but we'll work it out. But it's not a good time to go. It's difficult. It's, it's, it's um, even there. They say, but why don't you come in the summer? It's much busier. Because the race is on the coast. So, like, we don't know. We just come when God, we feel God says go. And it was in a short time. But if you look at it, we just arrived after the... Anyone heard of the Logos Hope, the OM ship? Okay, so they go around the world and they go into ports and they've got a lot of outreach activity, but also under the radar to a big degree because they've got a bookshop and then you can come for doctor's appointments or eye tests or whatever. So that brought in a lot of missionaries. And then the team there connected to all these missionaries. After that, Shane arrived and he was invited to a Muslim... Reaching Muslims for Jesus conference in Kosovo. And the crazy thing is, if not all of the speakers were ex-imams, converted Muslims. So it wasn't Christians trying to stir up Christians. It was converted imams, Muslims. An imam is a Muslim pastor. Coming to speak to Christians to tell them, hey guys, wake up. Wake up. Because we've heard a lot of things, and we haven't shared it from the pulpit, but now we fact-check them. Like the 100-year plan, the sinister plan of Islam to take over the world. And Shane asked them, is this true? And they said, absolutely. So you might not know it. They're not coming in with all guns blazing this time. They're infiltrating. They're influencing. They're preaching. They're buying soccer teams. They're buying property. They're building mosques. Look at it. They're buying property in Piketberg, people, to set up shop there. And according to their map, South Africa's already won. It's green. So it's going all green. Amen? And we need to do something about it. And this was these guys told us. Like, they're not playing. Why are you? They're not playing church. They're, not, they're going out. They're evangelizing. And I personally have been, try, been evangelized by a Muslim uh, in Canal Walk, of all places. And I've shared the testimony a few times. But we need to be about our father's business. Because there's other force that's winning the war. And we need to stand up and be counted. This was confirmed. And obviously that then created a lot of momentum for the pastors coming in and, and finding that from Shane, getting that momentum, getting the team going. Then the events. We didn't plan the events for the end of the trip. We would have wanted, I would have loved to be at the opera. I, the opera is tomorrow night. I'm not going to be there. It's the only day that the, the theater was available. But it works out beautifully that everything is now built up to, to tomorrow night. And that's really how God's been planning all of this together. So the timing and how it's been woven together is really just God. It's nothing else. It's all really supernatural. So like I said, it was awesome, but it was heartbreaking and gut-wrenching. To see so many lost people, so few churches, and so much hopelessness, it does something in you. Now, to engage with a generation that is not yet done with school, but has already given hope on the future. We've engaged with a generation, 16-year-olds, who's given up hope completely. They say, there's nothing for me. 
I've investigated everything. This one guy told me, you can put the photo up of Alejandro. Alejandro said to me, he says, the more you know, the worse it gets. The more you know, the worse it gets. He's 16 years old, was born in Greece, um, stayed in Tirana, the, the, the cosmopolitan city, if you will. And again, we just operated. I didn't say, hey, I have a word for you. I just, in conversation, steered the conversation by the words the Holy Spirit put on the inside of me. You don't need to always ring this supernatural bell. You can just minister from the heart. And I basically said to him, you came to Duress much quicker than you planned. And he said, yes. He said, my parents got divorced and my mom moved here. So you can see already, God is just using the word of knowledge there to build momentum and to steer the conversation in a direction. Etienne and I spent two hours with this guy. He chased his friends away. He said, they're dumb and stupid. They're from the north. He wants to spend time with us because he's open to to other cultures and he said the one thing Albanians don't want to do is they don't want to change he said they're naive and they're conservative now add that to Muslim add that to communist add that to atheism I said what do you believe he said well my uh, one side of my family is Muslim the other side of my family is uh, Eastern Orthodox so I'm atheistic agnostic I said oh I don't know it could be both but uh he said, yeah, no, he's tried at everything and there's really no hope. So he's just going to, he says he knows atheists with much better morals than anyone else. So that, that is, you sit there and you're like, God, where do you start? Where do you start with this, this hopeless, I mean, it's his son, he's 16 years old. I don't know why he knew about Trevor Noah and he knew about Table Mountain and like, it was just, we could just connect with him. And he wanted to connect with us more because we're South Africans than anything else. But you use that. You use that open door. And like I said, we spent two hours with him. I used the bangle. I ministered the gospel to him from start to finish. Um, Etienne connected further with him, followed up a few times. And um, I don't know what happened at the end because Etienne stayed a day longer than I did. But uh, yeah, that's the type of people you encounter there. And I mean, they in Stellenbosch, I'm sure. They were around us. But here at least, the odds of them bumping into a Christian is much bigger. Alejandro will probably never meet a Christian again unless it's one of us. That's the reality of the situation. That's how dire it is. I remember I told you we walk 25,000 steps and there's no churches. So how will you find church? And I'm not talking about dead buildings. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about believers gathering together, spirit flowing, love of God in us. And that's really the thing. We see this all around. Now in the same, not the coffee shop, this one, um, the one that, that I met him at, on the wall there, he said, yeah, look, there's the Quran. And I said, oh, yeah, I can see. And right next to the Quran was a Buddha statue. So they just, and then they just put Christianity in there because it's dead. It's Orthodox, it's Catholic, it's rituals, it's offerings, it's sinister things, if you will. But you need to come in and shine the light. You know what this one guy told me? We were going, like I said, we needed formal clothes so Shane looked for shoes um, because he didn't want to go with his caterpillar hiking boots on, uh, on stage just after the Ukrainian ambassador. So, um, interesting, you buy, thrifting there is not a, it's, it's not a thing. It's, you know what thrifting is? Second-hand clothes, okay? It's very hip in Cape Town. In Albania, it's all there is. <laughs> That's all they can afford. So they bring in bales of clothing from, from Germany and the UK. And then there's their secondhand shops. Like you can buy techies and shoes and nice leather shoes and everything there secondhand. And there's one guy at the shop. We were just going about and he said to me, 
Why are there so many South Africans in Durez? I'm like, oh, you can speak English. <laughs> His name is Organ. Organ asked me, how's there so many South Africans? And he said he's even heard that some of them want citizenship. They want to become Albanian, was his words. And I said, yes, obviously we want. I didn't tell him because we didn't want to go in and out with all the paperwork. And I said, you know why? It's really because we love the Albanian people. And he said, really? I said, yes. You know, there's six, six million, just over six million Albanians uh, currently. But I have to say in the world, because there's only 2.8 million in the country. So there's more Albanians outside of Albania than inside Albania because of the hopelessness. And now we come and we're trying to get into Albania and this guy is probably 18 years old and he says, you can't understand it. Everyone's trying to get out. And now these South Africans are trying to get in. But you know what was best? He said to me, the other thing I don't understand. I said, yes, what is it, organ? He said, I don't understand why all you South Africans are happy. He said, all the Albanians are angry and we're all wanting to leave. But you South Africans, you're all happy. Well, we know why. Because Jesus is in us. And what was awesome is now that we have a team there, we could show them, hey, we went to this guy at this shop. We met this guy at this coffee shop. We went to this guy in this corner. So please go follow up. When we bought gifts, we didn't buy gifts at the cheapest shop. We bought one where there was an open-door connection where the lady could speak English. And she told me she's Muslim and she's going to Turkey soon. I was like, okay, we need to minister to you here. So whenever I went to buy stuff, I just went and I took someone with and the other thing is you do, you don't buy everything you need at once because that's one encounter. You go every day. You go multiple times a day. And she just sees, oh, this guy's buying so much. He's bringing people. Meantime, Jerusha is now connected to her. The next day I left, Jerusha went and prayed for her. And hopefully tomorrow night she comes to the opera and she hears the gospel like she's never heard it before. Shows you, you don't need to be superman or superwoman. You just need to be intentional. And that's really what we're about. If I have to... To put a scripture to what I experienced while meeting with Alejandro was 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. And it says, For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the dayspring light of the wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. I shared the gospel with them as best as I could, basically. And he just said, I heard that so many times before. So he's been blinded and he's still in that blindness. But then he says, we don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For we are our servants for Jesus' sake. So even when you share your testimony, make sure you don't share your testimony only. Make sure that you share the gospel through your testimony. Your testimony is just the vehicle by which you want to get the gospel to someone. Because it says that we don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus. So yes, we said to this guy, hey man, I also was young. I also went about looking for answers. And guess what? I found the answer. That's enough of me. The answer is Jesus. The answer is eternal life. The answer is total forgiveness of sins. The answer is uh, that God loves you. The answer is that God is only good. The answer is that God is not in buildings. He wants to live in people. That's the answers that you give there. And that's what we do. So yeah, that's why I really want to encourage us with this morning. And then verse 5 yeah, it says, we don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ, for we are your servants for Jesus' sake. And that was so awesome, to be a servant of God, to go around the world and serve people on the plane. Some people serve them food, I serve them the gospel. 
Serve them with, with Jesus. Serve them. Serve a, a lady. One of the pictures I got in prayer before the meeting or before the mission trip was really I saw like hitting a wall and breaking down a wall. And then God said, what you're going to do there is a lasting work because you're going to come back and the wall is going to stay down. And I was like, Lord, that's, that's interesting. And what really for me it is how that has come uh, to fruition is really the ministers and the, 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 the missionaries there. I'm back. They're still there. So now the work is continuing because they've been encouraged, they've been equipped, they've been refreshed, and they've been connected into family. So everything that they're going to do, what is awesome is I'm part of it. And so are you, because we're all in this together. Amen? It's awesome to be part of this, and, and you are part of it too. What was really awesome is there wasn't load shedding for, <laughs> for 10 days. So that's less admin, obviously. I'm sure it will go on now again. Let's turn to Luke 4. Luke 4, verse 16. So we're looking at just the spiritual blindness. We're looking at what God is doing to deal with it. And it, like we just saw in 2 Corinthians 4 there, that the, the God of this age has blinded people. It's all over the gospel. It's all over the goodness of God. But like my friend Aliandra said, the more he knows, the worse it gets. So it means he's not looking in the right places, obviously. He hasn't found what he's looking for. But the word says, seek and you will find. So as long as he's keeping on seeking and searching, then we'll, we'll trust that he'll find. So Luke 4 and 16 is uh, Jesus going to his hometown, actually. And in his hometown, he goes to the synagogue. Now that's where Jews meet, okay, on the Sabbath, usually. So it says in verse 16, Jesus traveled to Nazareth, the town where he grew up. On the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue as he always did. I can preach on that. Like people ask me, what do you do on a Sunday? I said, don't ask me. You know what I'm doing on a Sunday. I'm going to church. My family comes to visit for a weekend. They know what I'm doing on a Sunday. Why? Because Jesus did it. <laughs> no, consistency is good. Like it's good to know where, uh, where your believers are. We need it. So he stood up to read. Verse 16, the book of Isaiah the prophet was given to him. He opened the book and found the place where this is written. So he found Isaiah 61 as we know it. Verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has chosen me to tell good news to the poor. I'm reading the easy to read version here. He sent me to tell prisoners that they are free. And I read it and I'm like, Lord, I've heard this before. Now this next part got me. It says, To tell the blind that they can see again. You hear what I say there? To tell the blind. Jesus didn't come to heal the blind. He came to tell the blind that they can see again. I was like, that's different. I think maybe this guy smoked his socks when he translated, but we'll look at it now in King James. He says, He sent me to free those who've been treated badly and to announce that the time has come for the Lord to show His kindness. So again, to tell the blind that they can see again. And that's the picture we put on social media. And that's what we want to um, just speak about. It says, to tell the blind that they could see again. Now, I looked at it in the King James, and I was like, when I see something like that in a different translation, I'll, I go to the root text, and I see where did they find it? How did they come up with this idea? So, um, as an example, I think it's Hebrews 12, where it says, run the race that's set before you. The Passion Translation says the marathon race. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. I wonder where they got the word marathon. And then you go into the, 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 the Greek 
And the Greek there for race is agon, which is agony. Okay, so now you know why the Passion Translation went for marathon race and not just race, because it's an agonizing race. And unfortunately, that's the life we live. Amen? The marathon of life. We know it's not just fun and games. It's not just a 100-meter sprint. But I went in, into Luke 4.18 in the King James, and I was trying to see how, how is it that this guy says, tell the blind, not heal them. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Okay, that's our anointing too. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach, that's important, deliverance to the captive. So that we agree with. We preach deliverance. But now it says and. So it's to preach deliverance and to preach something else. To preach, to proclaim liberty to the captives and to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. That's how you could write it. So to proclaim is to preach, to tell. So we need to tell the blind that they can see again. My friend Alejandro wasn't blind, even though he was wearing some fancy glasses. Very fashionable. He wasn't blind. But the God of this age has blinded his, his spiritual eyes. It's blinded his mind. So we can go and heal the blind and let them see again, and they can still go to hell. Or we can go and we can say, hey guys, I've got something to tell you. And then when I tell them, hey, I tell you, you can see again. You haven't been able to see, but now you can see again. You can see the light. And that's really what it means to be translated from darkness where you can't see. We think darkness is just evil. No, darkness is where you can't see. Last night at 10 o'clock, we had load shedding. Okay, 10 o'clock, Bradley needs a bottle. So it was dark. So I had to get my phone and put on my flashlight on my phone and go give Bradley his milk. Because if it is dark, I am blind. I'm not blind that please come and pray for me. No, I'm blind in the darkness. So God has translated us from darkness to light means from not seeing to seeing. And that's really what it is about because now we've been translated from the kingdom of blindness, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of light. Now think about dark, blind people walking over. Think about a kingdom of blind people. Aren't you thinking about our world? <laughs> people like looking for answers. I sat there and I was like, guys, this hasn't worked forever. Like different people trying to take over like different empires, and then the Romans came in, and then the Ottomans came in, and then Hitler tried to come in, and now Putin is trying to come in. And uh, Can we just sit as humanity together and say, hey guys, this is not working. It's never worked, it never will work. But we can't because of the lust, because of the pride of life, and because of the hunger for power. So it's going to remain, and these blind people are going to keep on, but we're not to be like them. We've got a message for them. Amen? We can tell them that they can see again. So verse 20, he says, And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say, why? Why, why are they looking at him now? Because he's just said that there is a prophecy of someone who's going to tell the blind that they can see again. And now... He's got an audience of blind people. And they're all looking at him. Why? Because he's going to tell them something which will restore their sight. You see, once you read the Bible, you, you know what I'm talking about. We call it revelation. 
That's blindness leaving on a certain verse or a certain concept or a certain teaching. <gasps> I see it now. I grew up in a church that didn't understand grace. They were blind to it. They did Bible schools on Ephesians. Now it's like a blind man taking you through town. He's going to say, I think this is there and I, I heard this is there and he's probably going to be in the wrong part of town or, or anything, but they're trying. Amen? <coughs> now the veil is removed because we've turned to Christ, 2 Corinthians 3. The veil is removed and now we can see I've told you this before. When we ministered in Kailicha, I ministered to a guy there. He was drunk. He was smoking. His words were, his testimony was, he was jumping around full of joy. He said, I can see you now. I can see you now. I can see you now. That was his testimony. Not glory God. Not hey, awesome. Hallelujah. Amen. I can see you now. Kunrat was there with me. He jumped all the way, hopped over to him, and I said, I can see you now. And he gave him a, a hug. Why? We had a message. We told him that your blindness can be removed, your sight can be restored. And what did he see? He saw the same thing Organ saw in me and Shane in a shoe store, second-hand shoe store in Albania. What did he see? He saw Christ. I can see you now. We didn't pray for his eyesight because he wasn't blind in the natural, but he was very blind in the spiritual. And that's really what is the biggest miracle of life is when you can see in your heart. Now listen, it says, Jesus says, And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture. What scripture? Isaiah 61, verse 1 and a bit of verse 2. If you go read it like we divided it. In this day is this scripture fulfilled where? In your ears. What does that mean? Now you can see. Because I've just told you that I'm bringing a message that will heal your blindness. So we need to hear the word and then we will see the Spirit. We need to hear the gospel and then we, we, we wake up to light. The word says, in, uh, there's many places, Jesus quotes it and it's in the Old Testament. Uh, I think it's also Isaiah where it says, you'll, you, you'll hear but you won't hear and you'll see but you won't see. And Jesus comes to restore that. So in your hearing, now you get seeing. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. The other, trans, the other verse that speaks of the hearing of faith. And now the scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight. So we walk by what we hear before we see it. Isn't that faith? That's faith exactly explained. God said to Shane, get the theater, the opera house. Someone on the team on that side said, we can't, it's too expensive. Shane said, I didn't ask you what it cost. I told you, get the opera house. Because he's heard it in prayer. And he's now casted that vision in his heart. And he's now walking in faith. And guess what? Tomorrow we have the opera house. And it's paid for. I'm not going to tell you what it is because you'll think it's ridiculous. It's paid for. Why? Because we've heard. And now we see. That's the gospel. You've heard the good news. That which you've heard. And then um, the, the translators say, um, or the disciples say, what we've heard and what we've seen. But hearing obviously comes first. But they also saw Christ. 
And you know what the blindness is? And I'm like, this revelation is really growing in my heart. It's just the flesh. The blindness is carnality. Because 2 Corinthians 5.16 says we should look at no one according to the flesh. Even though we looked at Jesus according to the flesh, we should look at him no more. And then Jesus says that he went in. We have now a way into the Holy of Holies. How? Through the veil, which is his flesh. So yes, thank you for the flesh. Because of Jesus' flesh that was torn apart, we now enter into the spiritual realities and we should not look back to where we lived in the flesh, neither to where Christ lived in the flesh, but we've walked through a door. We're now in a new kingdom, the kingdom of light, which is spiritual, and now we operate from here. And now we don't pray as it is in heaven, let it come to earth. No, we say as it is where we are, be healed, be raised from the dead. Blindness be restored. So I'm not saying if there's a blind person, I won't pray for him. Of course I will. But if I only heal the physical blindness, I haven't done a kingdom work. Because the kingdom work is the eternal blindness that needs to be restored. The recovery of sight to the blind. How do we do that? We tell them the message. Amen? Now there's another verse in the same gospel of Luke, Luke 10, where he says in Luke 10, 23, And he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So obviously he's speaking about the prophetic um, prophecies of Jesus. But I believe he's speaking about more. He says, not only that they, they, they wanted to see the, the, the Jesus in the carnal, but they wanted to see Jesus fully. They wanted to see why Jesus came. And that's why we walk and how we live. I'm just going to see if the aircon, I can get this back on. <coughs> Apparently still on load shedding. Okay. So, we have a message to heal the blind. Amen? Now, Jesus loved to heal the blind. He loved to heal the blind. But Lisa spoke about it last week as well. And I, um, I listened to your message just to see where, where the church is at so I can sort of take off from there. And a lot of what I'm sharing today, I wrote down on the plane on the way to, um, I think, Johannesburg, the 19th of November. Then you shared last week on sight and blindness and all that. I was like, God, this is awesome. This just gives me a nice uh, a takeoff again. So what God is showing me recently is how all and I believe all, the miracles, I haven't got revelation on all of them yet, the miracles that Jesus did is not just miracles in the moment, but it is parables of kingdom realities. And that's exciting stuff, because now I'm going into them whole, like, differently. There's a teaching outside where I shared this two, three years ago on uh, Jesus turning water into wine, and the, the, the gospel message in that, so you can get it outside. But one of the things I was thinking about is when Jesus spat in the ground, and made clay, and put it on a guy's face, and he said, go wash in the town called, or the, the Shiloam, I think, he said, sent. And the word there really, like Malisa said last week, speaks about apostleship. It's the sent ones, it's the special messengers, and in that, you really find your purpose. Like, but just to take it a step back, I was like, Lord, why did you spit in the ground? Like, come on. <laughs> God, there's more dignified ways to heal the blind. And, and God said, no, there's something in there. Now, I've been going on about the dust man for a while now. You know that. And really the life is in the blood, but the life of the spirit is really personified by water. Now think about it. Water 
coming from the mouth of Jesus, the Word of God. It's saliva, but it's water. From the mouth of Jesus. So the Spirit coming through the Word of God into the dust of man. Isn't that Jesus personified? Jesus born a man, descended by the Spirit, the life of God, who is the Word of God. And what does that do? This is amazing. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> he makes clay. So you can do a teaching on clay, but I don't want to go there now. I want to take dust mixed by the water from the mouth of God. And how he puts that on his eyes. And in the going, in purposefully going with the message, the healing happens and the blindness is healed. We have a message to tell the blind that they can see again. From the mouth of God, empowered by the Spirit, in clay jars, which we are, men of dust, we carry this vessel. Or in these vessels, we carry this truth. We carry this life. We carry the purposes of God. And that's how the blind will see. And then not only did Jesus walk in Isaiah 61, but now we do because now we have a message to tell the blind that they can see. Why? Because the Spirit of God has descended into me, dust man Peter, but now it's not just dust man Peter that shows up. It is all of God packed into me, wanting to get out of me, wanting to come into contact with blind people, spiritually blind, so they can experience and see again. So they can be translated from darkness to light. There's something in this, and I'm going to unpack it for us, because even Paul, he has this encounter with light, and what's the first thing that happens? He's blind. Paul doesn't get saved on the road to Damascus. He can't, because he hasn't heard the gospel. Paul gets saved when Ananias shows up, and he shares with him the gospel, and it says, as scales fell off his eyes. It doesn't say that there was physical things that fell on the ground. That's what we read. That's not what it says. It is as if he, had, he couldn't see... And the next moment, it was like scales was off his eyes because he could see clearly. And what did he see? He saw Jesus all the way back into Genesis. He reversed right through Malachi. And he knew the scriptures so well. And what happened? He saw. And he wrote Colossians 1.27 that says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. The mystery, which was hidden. If you play hide and seek, what do you do? You try to become invisible. And now you go seek. So you go, if you, donker kamerki, who's played that before? Why is it difficult? Because you can't see. Hide and seek, you can't see. Now you're looking to see, you're looking to find. That's what God did. Now you can see. Seek, and you will find. You will see when you look for it. And now when we look into the Word, we find Jesus all over. Why? I can see you now. I can see you now. I can see you now. I preached on um, the clay jars with, um, what's it, the 300? Gideon. And they were carrying lamps in clay jars. We think it's just because that's what they had. No, that's the gospel. And what did they do? They took a stick and they carried these clay jars and they covered the light. So the light was where? Inside a clay jar. Sounds familiar? Where's the light? In you, clay jar. Okay? Now what happens? That didn't get them saved. But when they brought the wood of the cross, and they broke the clay jar, and the men, us, get out of the way, and we let the light shine brightly, 3, or 300 people had millions running. 
Millions. The gospel is all over the Bible. It's right there. It's not the noise. Yes, it is the noise. Because Christian, you need to speak up a bit. Amen? God challenged me so hard in Albania. Because we think we just go and it's just another mission. He said to me in my heart, he said, Peter, if you don't change this town, who will? There it, it, it like, this is your tanneske tsubiki, you know, it's that feeling. Because if we will not, yes, he's sending others and we saw that. Clearly God is doing a massive work. I told you, there's Koreans, there's Albanians, there's Claudia and Avi who you met. They are on fire for God. We were so thankful because she is animated. She's Italian, okay? <laughs> She's passionate. And one stage she was translating for me and she started getting so emotional because what I was sharing was touching this lady and this lady was crying and, and she, she tried to keep it together and then I realized it and I tried to keep it together and this lady, Shane just closed the meeting after that. He didn't know what to do with it. So he said, let's take a break. And I was like, I guess a weird time to take a break and I walked out. I was like, but I'm not done. And I walked back in and the lady was sitting there and she was crying and I just sat next to her and just held her hand. And I just continued where I ministered and that's the same lady three days later who said, I've never been happier. Why? Because I got out of the way. I was nervous. I didn't want to share to an old lady who's a missionary, who's giving her life for God. Who am I to come in and, and say something? But if not us, who? If not us, who? Who will tell them? Who will see to the blind that they can see again? Who will tell them that they can see again? Isn't this amazing when, when we let the light shine from out of us? That the enemy flees. That blindness is, is removed. That sight is restored. And guess what? It's all Christ. Christ in us, but now Christ through us. It's awesome. We saw miracles. We saw Emily's leg grew. We saw words of knowledge. We saw amazing things. But guess what? It's the lasting work of the believers that is going to bring more and more people to salvation. That is by far the highlight of my, of my trip. And the fact that I am honored to be part of it, and so are you. So are you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4 quickly, and I'm going to read the Passion Translation. 2 Corinthians 4. That's where we started. Sure. Verse 1. Now, it's because of God's mercy that we have been entrusted with the privilege of this new covenant ministry. Just think about that. What a privilege. What a privilege. That we have a new covenant ministry. And we will not quit or faint with weariness. We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the word of God. I mean, but there's ways we can distort the word to make life easier. I can use the word to guilt you into giving like you have no idea. That will not be fruitful to any one of us. Because that's distorting the word. That's using the Lord's name in vain. You think using the Lord's name in vain is blaspheming in a movie? I believe you use the word of God incorrectly and you say God says and he didn't. That's using the name of God in vain. If, you, if you're manipulating Scripture for your benefit, you, you're using the Lord's name in vain. There's more to it. 
Listen to this. He says, We reject every shameful cover-up and refuse to resort to cunning trickery or distorting the Word of God. Instead, we open up our souls to you by presenting the truth to everyone's conscience in the sight and presence of God. Verse 3, Even if our gospel message is veiled, you see, there's the veil, it is only veiled to those who are perishing. My friend Alejandro, he said, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. But he hasn't lived it before. He hasn't been in a community like ours before. He hasn't seen it take root in his heart before. He hasn't lived the gospel message before. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light. So when you're blind, you know, when you wake up and someone shines a light in your eyes, you can't, like, you're still blind. You're not in darkness anymore, but it's like a deer in headlights. And sometimes that's, Part of what happens is we come on a bit strong. We come on a bit strong and, and people need to sort of just get into it a bit easier. Amen? They, they cannot see this day spring of wonderful news of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. Listen, verse 5. We don't preach ourselves, but rather the Lordship of Jesus Christ. For we are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, verse 6, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. That's the Genesis account. That's the plan altogether. That's, that's where it started. And Marisa, you spoke about it last week as well. Like, that's God's plan, is to bring light into the darkness. Is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning of light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. In worship, I just saw God show me. He said, out of your belly flows rivers of living water. But not only that, there's a light shining. And you need to, to, to renew your mind. Like, if I look this way, then there's a light of God shining in your eyes. In the Spirit, it's really like a, a, a spotlight. And you show, you're shining into corners of people's hearts, and you're bringing gospel truth, and you're getting rid of darkness. See yourself as that vessel. See yourself as a light bearer. See yourself as someone full of God. Amen. It says we have been cascaded, or it, it, we, we, we're drawing this into us, but we need to let it out. Verse 7. We are like common clay jars. You see, there we go. That carry this glorious treasure within. We, when you see us, you just see a man. You just see a woman. You just see uh, another one of you. Why? Because we have some light. So we're looking for some dark places to shine it in. Amen? That's what we're about. Common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. I'm leaving. I've left. I'm back home. My friend from, 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 from the Netherlands, she's still glorifying God. Why? Because she didn't encounter me. She encountered God through me. Philip the evangelist speaks to the Ethiopian eunuch. Next moment he disappears. He translates. The eunuch is not crying. Oh, where's my pastor? And who's going to help me? No. He glorifies because he's found God. That's That's maturity. Listen to this. It must be seen of God, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? If we realize not who we are, but who's in us. If we start seeing, not just in the mirror, but in the spiritual mirror. If we start overflowing, not with our efforts, 
but with God's life and light in us and now through us. And then we really get to live in that adventure. We get to live this life. We get to live and go into places and nations and change the world. And guess what? Your heart knows when you found eternal treasure. And you're willing to sell everything like Jesus and the rich man, or, or, or the, the, the price of um, the pull of great price. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of men. And he says that, um, Solomon says that, that, that man cannot understand the end from the beginning. But now we can. Because Jesus is the first, the last. He's the beginning, the end. And all of a sudden now, the last two years, we've been able to explain the Bible. Not all of it, but we're getting there. From, the, from Genesis, from the beginning, to Revelation. It's interesting, this year, we've taught on Genesis more than ever, and on Revelation like never before. Why? Because we've now got confidence in this book. Because we know what it's about. No, we know who's it about. And we know that He wants to live in us. Let's stand. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.